Open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to continue our study. We're almost finished chapter 3. Um, today we won't finish it. I want to look at the last verse by itself where we are, we are told that if we're Abraham's seed, we're, if, if we're in Christ, then we're Abraham's seed. I want to look at that verse a little bit more in depth um, in heirs to the according to the promise. So that's, that verse has always struck me. Always struck me. It shows that God's people, God's elect are the Israel of God. And so we'll look at that a little more in depth next week, Lord willing, if the, if the Lord allows. But let's read verses 21 to 29 and we'll get right into the message. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 to 29. The name of the message is God's Promised Children. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given, which should have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before, we, but before faith came, we were kept under the law and shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law, and that, that word revealed there, it means an unveiling. It means an unveiling of something that was hidden before. So faith in Christ was hidden from us. Christ was hidden from us. Who God was was hidden from us. And praise God, he's revealed it to us. He's revealed himself to us. It's just amazing. Absolutely, I just can't get over that. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And the next, the next few verses here are our text, verses 26 to 28. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one. In Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Magnificent portion of scripture. Absolutely magnificent portion of scripture. Last week in our study, we looked at verses 24 and 25 of Galatians chapter 3. And we saw that the word schoolmaster there in our, in our text doesn't mean what we think it means. Which we, we would more like when I first looked at it, I thought teacher. It doesn't mean that at all. In homes of wealthy Greeks and Romans, there'd be a trusted servant who would take the children to school. The servant was called a pedagogos in the Greek. And it means a child conductor. Child conductor. And that's the same Greek word used here for schoolmaster. He didn't teach the children, but he took the children to the teacher. He took the children to the teacher. He couldn't teach them anything. But he could take them to the teacher. See, that's what, that's what the law couldn't teach us salvation. The law, law can't save. It can only kill. So it takes us to Christ. It takes us to Christ. And remember when we looked at, when we looked at um, verse uh, 24, the words to bring us are italicized. So it's not in the original Greek. So it's wherefore the law was our schoolmaster unto Christ. 
unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So it brought us to Christ. It shut us in, didn't it? We had nowhere else to go but to look to Christ. So the purpose of both the moral and the ceremonial law is to bring us to Christ. That's the purpose of it. So like a pedagogas, the law directs God's promised children unto Christ. Now remember, as we're going through this epistle, we're dealing with law and grace. You've got the false teachers who are saying you must be circumcised, which is the law, to be saved along with having faith in Christ. And then you have Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, bring a strong rebuttal to that, calling it not another gospel, but it's, it, it, it's, it's something that will damn one's soul if they believe it. It's not good news. If you have to do anything for your salvation, it's not good news. It's not. Because there's no way for us to save ourselves. So it's not, it's not good news. And the difference between law and grace is one kills and the other one makes one alive in Christ. The law kills spiritually. And Christ makes us alive. My. And this topic is, again, is so important that God moved the Apostle Paul to pronounce a curse upon anyone, including an angel from heaven who would preach another gospel, who would preach another gospel. My, oh, my. Anyone who dare preach salvation by man's work instead of by God's sovereign grace in Christ, God pronounces a curse on them. That's serious business, isn't it? That's serious. That's how serious God himself is about the gospel. He sent his own son to redeem us. He sent the son of his love to redeem us. No one messes with the gospel of God. He's absolutely sovereign. Oh my. My oh my. The Lord Jesus Christ justified all the elect. He justified us, didn't he? He justified us at Calvary's cross. He paid the ransom price for our souls, fully redeeming us fully purchased in our souls by his precious, precious blood when he died for sinners. And then he's raised again, the scripture says, for our justification. God raised him from the dead. For us. My. And when the Lord gives us faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we find out that he is the only Savior. We find out there's salvation in no other. Not even ourselves. See, man, man's trying to save themselves when they're doing something that they believe will gain the merit and salvation. They, they're actually making themselves a God. They're actually making themselves a Savior. They're vaulting themselves over God. God won't have any of that, will he? So I won't share my glory with anyone. And he pronounces, he says, there's no salvation in any other other than Christ and him, other than my son. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. My, oh my. You're not pleased by anything I do. In my flesh. No. No, no, no. And when the Lord gives us faith, he purges our sins, doesn't he? He purges our sins from us. Or when, or when, when Christ died, 
on Calvary's cross, he purged our sins. And then when he gives us faith, he purges our conscience, doesn't he? From dead works. To serve the living and true God. Now we want to serve our king because we love him. Because we love him. And if one does not believe God, one does not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and continues in the religions of works, then they do not have the faith of God's elect, no matter what they say. If someone adds works to salvation, they do not have the faith of God's elect. We, as Tom said one time, we come to the table with nothing, nothing, nothing. We have our own sin, but we don't come... We don't come adding anything to our salvation. We're just poor, bankrupt sinners. Saved by the grace and mercy of God, right? My, and, and what's led us to that condition? Well, the, the, the Lord used the law to shut us in, and then we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God and given faith to believe. It's absolutely magnificent. Without true saving faith, one die in their sins and spend eternity in hell. That's the truth. But people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that nowadays. Number one, they don't believe in God. Number two, they don't believe in hell. Well, they're both real. Whether people believe in them or not. My, oh, my. So this is such an important topic, beloved. This is, this is a very sobering topic. It's, it's so important. But yet, on the flip side, it brings such great joy to we who are the people of God. Because all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. And if we're in Christ, they're all ours. We're heirs according to the promise. Isn't that magnificent? And we're going to find out in chapter 4, we were heirs and didn't even know it. And, and you couldn't tell us apart from the goats. <laughs> in our natural state. And we had no idea. Did you have any idea before the Lord saved you that you were one of his elect? Did you even have an interest in that? I, I couldn't care less back then. But now, oh my, this is wonderful. <laughs> I had a chance to talk to my daughter this week. Please, please keep praying for her. She's, she's starting to pray and she's, she's just, she's reading, reading scriptures and stuff and asking me questions. So just keep, please keep lifting her up in prayer. And we were talking about how, um, how simple faith is in Christ. It's just trust in Christ, just looking to him. Just looking to him and him alone. And it's so wonderful how, and I was telling her how the law is schoolmaster, how it shows us our sin and brings us to Christ and, and reveals to us that we can't go anywhere else but him. We don't have any other hope, do we? Other than Christ. No other hope at all. My, oh my. And so that's what it, and it's such, it's such an important topic because if, if we mix if we mix any kind of works in with salvation in Christ, then it's actually a damning thing. It's not, it, it won't save. It won't save. So we come totally empty-handed. What's that song say? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Yeah, nothing. Like empty-handed. Empty-handed. Looking to Christ. Looking to Christ. I like what Spurgeon said. Sink or swim, I'll trust in him. I love that. I've been saying that all the time in my head lately. Sink or swim, I'll trust in him. Oh my. So true, isn't it? Let's read verse 25 here. 
This is such an important topic as well. Because we are saved from our sins as believers. By faith in Christ, we're saved from our sins. But if one dies outside of Christ, right, they're dying in their sins. So you can have someone who thinks, thinks they're going to be saved by believing on Christ and, and doing some works. And they pass away and they wake up in hell. That's how serious this is. And, and I was thinking something today. Tell me if this is true. I was, I was reading some stuff about these climate people and they're, they're going around throwing soup on Van Gogh's paintings and doing all this other stuff. Recently they went and desecrated um, William Wallace's sword or tried to desecrate his sword and nothing. They're all up in arms about climate, right? Okay, now take away climate even. Put anything else in there, right? Anything else, right? Politics even, anything, right? Um, worrying about this or worrying about that, just anything. It's natural for us. I was thinking about this today, this morning. It's, it's natural for man to be just wound up tighter than the clock about stuff and have no care for their soul. All wound up about the climate and yet have no concern for their soul. None. And it just struck me how blessed we are as God's people to be more concerned about our souls than anything else in this world. And to trust Christ and Him, know, knowing that. So, so people are getting, and, and I'm just going to, this is just me going, people are getting wound up about, say, the climate, right? But it's just temporary. Because we know that everything in this world is, is temporary. But again, the things that are of eternal value, no care at all. It just shows you, and, and, and I just thought, praise you, God, for revealing Christ to me because I'd have been right there. I'd have been wound up just tighter than the clock about probably about something else. It's true, isn't it? It's so true. We are so blessed, beloved, that we are in Christ and that he's revealed himself to us. And now we see this world, it's his world. We're to be good stewards, aren't we? I'm not, I'm not saying we're not supposed to take care of things. We're, we're to be good stewards, but it's his world. He'll do with it whatever he pleases. He says it's going to all burn up at the end. Right? But mankind has so much thought in other things and no concern for their souls. And I was right there. Before the Lord saved me, I didn't, I didn't care. I was more concerned about me. Looking out for number one, they used to say. You remember that? Yeah? Yeah, we're all smiling because we know. We know. Oh, isn't it? Just think of what God's done in you, in us, and for us. Oh, it's magnificent. Okay. Look at verse 25 here. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. So in other words, since Christ come, God's holy law has, has been perfectly honored by him. He perfectly honored God's law. Now, remember, he's sinless, so he's not doing it for himself. He perfectly honored God's law. 
Who do you do it for? The elect. You and I, God's people. We who are born again. Out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Oh my. And as I said last week in that message, the lawful use of law, we are not against the law. Not at all. You can't, we can't find any fault in it, can we? No one can find any fault in God's law. It's holy, just like he is. But we can't, we can't, we can't um, fulfill it. So the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes down from heaven and perfectly fulfills the law in our room and place so that now the law doesn't have a claim on us. We're redeemed out from under the law. It's still holy. Still, it's still perfect. But it doesn't have a claim on us. Now, we're not going to do things that are contrary to it, are we? We don't want to. We, we, pe- God's people don't want to go out here and just sin as much. No, that's antinomianism. We're, we have nothing to do with that at all. Not, nothing to do with that at all. We desire to live a holy life, don't we? But we're just sinners saved by grace too, aren't we? Yeah. So we just, we live trusting Christ every day. Looking to Christ every day. Resting in Christ every day. As much as we can. (laughs) Oh my. What did Peter say? Lord, help my unbelief. That's the cry of every believer, isn't it? Help my unbelief. Oh, so the Lord Jesus Christ justified all his elect when he paid the ransom price for our souls. He justified us all. And Christ is our righteousness. See, I, my righteousness, if I stand before God in my righteousness, he's going to say, depart from me. But if I stand in the righteousness of Christ because he's put me, that, right, that coat of righteousness on me, he's going to say, well done. I didn't do nothing. But who did it? Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Enter into the joy of my rest, all because of what Christ did. Not one thing I did, but all because of what Christ did. That, that'll make you rejoice, won't you? Oh, fill your heart with joy. He cried, it's finished, and it's done. He's the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes, Romans 10, 4. And Jesus Christ is every single believer's righteousness. If you're sitting here and you're a believer... Christ is your righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. And we're dead to the law by the body of Christ that we should be married to another, even to him who raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God, Romans 7, 4. We're married to another now. We're married to Christ. Oh, it's so wonderful. So what does this mean for we who believe on Christ? It means exactly what what Paul says, stand fast in the liberty, the freedom. We're free. Free from the law, oh, happy condition. Free. Free in Christ. But we won't use that liberty for lasciviousness, will we? No. Because the love of Christ constrains us from sin. Paul wrote that in in Corinthians. Love of Christ constrains us from sin. But we are free. We're free at last, beloved. And the believer can say, thank God I'm free. I'm free in Christ. Absolutely, totally free in Christ. 
And notice the change of verbiage here in verse 25 and 26. One commentator brought this up, um, a Greek, Greek commentator brought this up. I thought this was amazing. In verse um, 25, he's speaking in the first person. He says, but after the, that faith has come, we are no longer under schoolmaster. So he's speaking in the first person there. And remember, this is written to the Galatian church, right? It's mostly Gentiles, but there are Jews there too. Because the Jews, they scattered all over, right? And, and, and they were merchants in all different cities and all different professions. <coughs> right? And the Lord saved some of them. And so they, this, this church was comprised both of Jew and Gentile people. <coughs> and notice in verse 26, we see him change to the second person with the word ye. So in verse 25, he says, we. And in verse 26, he says, ye, which Weiss brings forth, is a reference to both Jew and Gentile because of the topic that he's speaking of here, which is justification in Christ alone, that the law and the gospel don't mix. So he's, what he's doing here, he's setting forth the separation between Jew and Gentile has now been broken down. See, there was a court of the Gentiles at the temple in, in Jerusalem, right? But that, that's no longer there anymore. The veil has been torn asunder. So both Jew and Gentile can now enter in. That's why the scripture says to you and I who are Gentiles, we're all Gen as far as I know, we're all Gentiles here. The scripture says, let us therefore now come boldly unto the throne of grace. See, there's no separation between Jew and Gentile anymore. We're going to see we're one in Christ. And that's what he's bringing forth here with, with that change of verbiage when he says ye. He's bringing forth both the Jews and Gentiles in the church, right? Because remember there was disagreement. He says, now look at this. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So he changes from the first person to the second person. And brings in both the Jews and Gentiles together. Because that's really what we are in Christ, aren't we? We're all one. We're all one in Christ. And, and, we, and we see that in verses 27 and 28. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ... There is neither Jew nor, Je nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are what? One in Christ. We're one. Do you know it's a man that's made different denominations? All true born-again believers are one in Christ. There's only one church in heaven, right? composed of what? All believers. There's only one gospel. I'm not saying there's multiple gospels. There's only one gospel. There's only one spirit and there's only one Jesus. But man have made denominations and split us all up into different little sects. But all true believers are one in Christ and we will be one in glory. All true believers. Now there's a difference there, right? Between true and false believers, I'm not the I'm not the judge of that, right? I can know I can know from certain groups. I can say, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that person's, you know, just by what they say, even right. But Bruce Crabtree said, God will do what's right. Right? He knows the difference. He knows the difference. But oh my! So that's beautiful. We're one in Christ. So here, here he's he's 
with a change of verbiage like that, he's bringing forth the Jew and the Gentile together. He's bringing them both together. It's wonderful. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Again, he's setting forth that the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile is gone. It's broken down. And all believing, all believers are one in Christ. And the word, word children, translated children here, is huios. And it's an important word here. Is This word signifies someone full of, full of age, come to the full age. Now remember that in what we looked at last week, right? Once a person became of full age, they no longer needed the schoolmaster. So the scripture's saying, even though we're just babes in Christ, once we've, once we've been born again by the Holy Spirit of God, we've come of full age. We're now, we don't need that schoolmaster anymore. Now the Holy Spirit's our teacher. He's the one who has us grow. Now we're not full age of maturity, right? But what, what it's trying to do is, is, is it's showing us that there's a separation. Once the, once the law brings us to, the, to Christ and reveals Christ to us, the law no longer is the schoolmaster and we're of the full age. Isn't that wonderful? I was just, when I read this, I was just so excited. It's incredible. Now, I, I nowhere feel like I'm, I'm still, I've been preaching for almost, what, I don't know how many years now, uh, 15 or, or getting close to 20, but I'm just scratching the surface, beloved, what I know about Christ. Same with you probably, right? We just, we have so much to learn. And as God's pleased to reveal it to us, we learn and we grow, don't we? It's wonderful. <coughs> so this word, <coughs> children, signifies someone of full age. Under the law, the individual was under a schoolmaster, under a guardian. Now under grace, one heirship has been revealed, and you're no longer under a schoolmaster. My, oh my. And now the context of the words in Christ, in Christ Jesus must be separated from the words by faith. And we know by faith, that's God-given faith, right? He gives us the faith to believe on Christ. But Weiss brings forth that they are put at the end of the sentence so as to form a distinct proposition, which Paul is going to enlarge in in the next verses, which are, we're one in Christ. We're one in Christ as believers. Oh, in Christ, in Christ. What magnificent. Two, two words, so magnificent. In Christ. In Christ. Beloved, we're in Christ. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our Lord. And who put us in Christ? God, the Father. It's amazing. Let's read that verse again. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, just as the case of our justification, our faith in Christ does not cause God to adopt us as children. Our faith doesn't cause God. God doesn't say, well, look down through time and say, well, you know, Wayne's going to choose Christ, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt him. 
doesn't work that way, does it? My faith has nothing to do with my adoption, except that because I'm a son, God sent the spirit of his sin into my heart, and yours too, where we cry, I'll cry, Abba, Father. You see? And we're going to see that in chapter 4. It's absolutely amazing. So my, my faith in Christ does not cause God to adopt us. No, my faith in Christ is a gift from God. There's no cause in me that would cause God to adopt me. And there's no cause in you either. It's pure mercy. It's pure grace. And it's absolutely wonderful. Our faith in Christ is actually evidence of our adoption. It's evidence. How do we know that? Well, look at Galatians chapter 4, one chapter over. Just turn there. Our faith is evidence of our adoption. We see this so clearly in verses, verses 6 and 7 of Galatians 4. It says, and because ye are sons. Well, when were we, when were we sons? How long have we been sons for? From eternity. Ephesians 1, 4, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. <laughs> but as we're going to look at two weeks from now, we were heirs and didn't even know it. Had no clue. And that's at the first part of, of chapter 4. But look at this, verses 4, 6, and 7. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying what? Abba, Father. That's what every believer does. Oh, my. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. Right? And if a son, then what? An heir of God through who? Christ. That's magnificent. We are heirs of God through Christ, beloved. We're born again, given faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are sons. We are sons by, by God's choosing. Way before the foundation of the world. And we're given faith to believe on Christ. That's, that's again, evidence of our, of our justification in Christ. God predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. If ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law, Galatians 5, 18. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. Herein is love. Herein is our love made perfect, that we have, may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, that's as Christ is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 1 John 4, 17 and 18. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. Not later. Now. Now are we the sons of God. 1 John 3, 2. Boy, beloved, we are loved with an immutable, perfect love by God the Father in Christ Jesus. And think of this. The love of God will never be turned away from his only begotten son, will it? Never. Will, he ever, will his love ever be turned away from the son? You know what that means for us? We're in Christ, right? His love will never be turned away from us. 
never. My. Oh, my, that's so wonderful. That's so wonderful, beloved. Never be turned away from us, ever. Nothing, absolutely nothing, Paul wrote. And that's why Paul wrote this. Absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 39. Nothing. That's caught for rejoicing, isn't it? We're children of God, beloved. By God's choice. By God's doing. Oh, my. Jesus Christ by himself purged our sin. Now let's read verses 27 and 28. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Now baptized into Christ there is not referring to water baptism. Not at all. It's referring to being baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. Born again. Made alive in Christ. An operation of God. That only God can do. We can't persuade God to do it. He does it. He does it. Oh my. This is when we receive the spirit of adoption. And until we are baptized into Christ. Until we're born again. We cannot see or perceive the kingdom of God. We just can't. It must be revealed to us. Christ must be revealed to us. Or we're never going to know him. And notice it's the Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes us into the body of Christ. We're born again. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. And in our unregenerate state, we have a carnal mind, a darkened mind. And we can't receive the things of the Spirit. That's why when, before we were saved, when someone came and talked to us about Christ, we didn't want to have nothing to do with them. Even though we were heirs. But we were just dead in trespasses and sins, weren't we? And this is why people who are in that unregenerate state think that the preaching of the gospel is foolishness. They see no value in it. But we see great value, don't we? Great value. Oh, my. Because only... Remember this too. Spiritual things can only be discerned by one who's born again. By one who's born again. I was telling my daughter this week um, when she was little, when she was just one, I was reading the Bible and there was nothing there. there was, I wasn't born again. There was nothing there. I told her that. I said, it's just paper and ink to me. But I said, I said when the Lord saved me, sweetie, oh my. <laughs> that whole book changed. <laughs> It changed. It did, didn't it? It's wonderful. Oh, it's wonderful. So, beloved of God, rejoice. We have received. We have received the Spirit of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. The miracle of God's grace is according to his sovereign power and according to his sovereign will. We were born again according to his sovereign power and according to his sovereign will. Isn't that wonderful? It's absolutely wonderful. Man's works and man's will have nothing to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit here. 
That's why we call that when the people pray the prayer decisional regeneration. There's no there's no regeneration there. There's no spiritual regeneration there. See, this is a work of the spirit. And I'll tell you what, when he does a work, we are new creatures in Christ, aren't we? <laughs> we are new creatures in Christ. Oh, we're, and, and, and rejoice. We've been, we've been raised from spiritual darkness. We were in spiritual We've been raised from spiritual darkness. Because you're sons. God sent the spirit of his son into your heart. Now, whereby you now cry, Abba, Father. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Jesus Christ has redeemed us out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Made us kings and priests unto God. In verse 28 it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is only one body. There is only one body. That's made up of all believers. One body of many members. And all the members are, are part of that one body. One spirit. It's only one spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. That we are baptized into that one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Whether we be bond or free. All have been made to drink in, of that one spirit. And all God's born again blood washed children receive the same Holy Spirit. That's why our spirits bear witness. Ain't that wonderful? It's wonderful. And if we've received Jesus Christ, God has given us all things pertaining to life, godliness, knowledge of him, and then he calls us unto glory. So God's church is one big family. Isn't that wonderful? The children of God. Actually, the children of promise. The children of promise. It's absolutely wonderful. Just incredible how good God is to us. Brother Brian, can you close us in prayer?